Oh, fellas, what an afternoon I have had. It is good to be back with you. What what what'd they do to you out there in the world? Um, apparently, I tested positive for COVID 10 days ago, and I just got the results about three hours ago. Oh, shit. How do you feel? Uh, I had no symptoms. I uh, had did not feel sick at all. The only reason I got the test is because uh, I do a mutual aid thing on Monday nights. And there's someone there that I'm friends with that just like she gets paid for however many tests that she gives out to the unhoused community. So I just do a test like every time I'm there, like mostly as a favor to her. And I, you get a rapid test and then like you do a PCR test and the rapid one was negative. And then it's been taking forever to get the results back. So I just got texted uh, today, this afternoon, February 2nd from the test that I took January 24th and I opened it up and was like, oh, this is surely negative. And it was positive. So I was informed that I had COVID uh, at the outside end of, I guess, like I'm through it now. I'm no longer contagious. (sighs) So no, you're totally asymptomatic the whole time. Completely asymptomatic. And I have had the fun task this afternoon of calling everyone that I have seen in the last 10 days. And then like, you're never going to believe this, but I exposed you to COVID. Sorry. Wow. Was it a lot of people? (sighs) It was maybe like eight. Hmm. Was anyone upset? No, most everyone was like, that's funny. I had it a month ago. Ha ha ha. Good Good to talk to you again. (laughs) <laughs> we should hang out later. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's been my afternoon. Oddly enough, I went to a trade show last week while being, <laughs> while apparently having COVID. Whoops. There goes our David super spreading. It was pretty empty. This was Outdoor Retailer, if you're familiar with this one, which is like the REI, like EMS, like North Face, like tactical wedding ring there was literally a booth for tactical red wedding rings at this this trade show and what is it ta- can you explain to us what a tactical wedding <laughs> ring is like nuts. i feel like we've moved on too quickly from this uh it's one that you can like get your biometric data like engraved into it and it like opens a beer can or a beer bottle it's like this is like, so this is so like, dumb i feel like that's a single tactic that it can or they're like silicone Right? Were there silicone ones, David? No, it was carbon fiber. Oh. So it's lightweight. There's also like the silicone ones for like the guys who are like, I can't have jewelry on. I got to be ready to fight at all times kind of energy. Like mm-hmm. that's. I thought you were talking about one that like you like shot like a little dart for a repeller or something. No, that would be Out very cool. Set. This was this was extremely dumb. But having a silicone one would be nice because then it could double as a hair tie if you need it. <sighs> I guess so. I mean, it's wedding yeah, hacks it's like, with David. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think I think that that's more for like the guys who are who are ready for a zombie apocalypse kind of yeah. vibe. Yeah, yeah. The only reason I went to this show is because it was in Denver. It's in Denver every year because like we're outdoorsy and we have a uh, convention center, and it's usually a more exciting trade show because it's the one where like you can put on a raincoat and like go in a phone booth that pours water on you or you can like put on some hiking boots and like walk up a little incline that has like i don't know fake rocks on it or <laughs> one time i went and there was like a swedish like fire starter brand that you could like st- like uh strike a piece of flint and start fire on wood shavings and i was like this one's fun i usually bring a friend from here that like has no uh interest in fashion whatsoever And just so someone can like put more samples in the bag. This one sucked. Like there was nobody there. Everybody who was there didn't want to be there. Mm. Um, Nobody wanted to talk to me because usually when you have like the blue media badge. uh, Yeah, yeah. They they were right. They could sense it. (laughs) I was wearing an N95 there, so I was being responsible. Pendleton wouldn't let me into their booth because I thought like, oh, Pendleton, we might actually want to pick them up from the shop. And they had this booth that was like surrounded. It was walled on like four sides and had this little like opening in it. And there were just three dudes like standing in the entryway. And I walked like all the way around the booth to try to uh, find another entrance into it. And I was like, hey, 
I'm from Heddles. I might want to carry your stuff. And they're like, brick and mortars only. That's so stupid. But uh, yeah, trade shows. I don't see a, a a positive future there. But I didn't see a positive future for myself either. But here we for are. For trade shows in general or just that specific trade show? In general. Is it the trade show format or is it just like the idea of a market week? Like is it like the idea of presentation of goods that you feel is tired? Or do you think that just like the format of having like a whole bunch of people in booths without limited edition shit like Com- Complex Con? is is the problem i mean complex con is corny as hell as well but i I don't know i saw the channel five video of that and was like i would have enjoyed wandering around that for like four or five hours yeah the patreon cut is like by so worth whatever i have no idea what it cost me a month but like man was that was that made it that make it all worth it but yeah no (laughs) complex con is bizarre and it's definitely like a character of a character at this point but it they sell tickets well, yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, in, in our work at with the Heddle Shop, there have been a few people I've been like, hey, can I see the line sheet? And they're like, no, you have to come to the show. And it's like, you know, I feel like so many unnecessary obligations or so many obligations that we had, like therapy, doctor's appointments, all these things that are such a chore we can just do digitally now, you know, and don't, and don't like inconvenience ourselves. But this is like one last hurdle we have to cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it because it's like a tactile medium in some capacity and people want you to feel the shit otherwise or do you do you think it's just like people are investing in in the enterprise so we need to uh continue to like sort of force people to use it? I think they want to put on the sale. They want to like sell the sizzle and because they know like their product probably sucks. And they want to like get away from their wife and kids and like have a $70 per diem and stay at the Hilton and like eat a mediocre steak and like get the points. Nice. I feel like that's a lot of people. It's not me, but like a lot of people at this show probably did it for that reason. You're not trying to get away from the old ball and chain of your kids, David. I'm trying to get out there and spread. (laughs) (laughs) And spread you will. And spread you did. Let's put this in the metaverse let's do metaverse trade shows okay that's actually like the one like decent application because i was just (laughs) sort of curious because i was like if you eliminate those like huge like convention space entities in general like the discovery thing kind of goes out the window like because otherwise you're just making market week appointments but places like you know or people you know know and or like you have to check this out or like you're relying on your fucking algorithms or whatever to show you a new brand but like when you were in those expo centers at least you could sort of like be like oh shit who who is that or like yeah there's usually that? like two or three that catch like would catch my eye and i'd be like that's weird i mean that's how i first uh like found fundamental fdmtl um which i think i've talked about this before but back then he was called fundamental agreement luxury which he abbreviated to f-a-g-l-u-x and i was like you should change that you should you should really change that <laughs> <laughs> Was and, this an English speaker? Uh, no, absolutely it's not. Japanese, yeah. absolutely okay. not. But that's incredible. It <laughs> should have stayed yeah. that. Yeah, uh, you could have really got an interesting customer base keeping that name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been insane. Uh, <laughs> Truly, the weirdest timeline. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's I guess what I'm wondering is like how you replace that if you eliminate a trade show. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone that. should just send me samples. Yeah. That guy would still not have that, that name. Specific, if you... not, yeah. not specific. The world would be that funnier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've only been to one trade show and it was the first time I met you, David. You and Gerald right. both. Yeah. That was when I was like two days back from Pakistan and I was like, I, my brain doesn't work, but we're going to go to all these things. And you were there. <laughs> yes, you, me and Gerald. And I was like, Albert. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Freshly graduated from college, yeah. bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Hey, didn't scare you away. Nah, well, no. <laughs> Should have. Well,
Welcome back to the Hot Zone. It's Blowout. Me, David Shuck, here with Reed Nelson and Albert Muskies. Have you heard about these new inflatable jeans? What? No. Come on, bite it, bite at the joke a little bit. What inflatable jeans, David? I'm not talking about inflatable jeans. I'm talking about denim inflation, obviously. Levi's is raising its prices all across their line, and that's leading to increased revenues, says Yahoo Business. The denim company said Wednesday that it expects revenue in the range of $6.4 to $6.5 billion this year, topping the $6.37 billion average estimate of analysts surveyed by Bloomberg. Levi's is seeing no signs of a slowdown, despite inflationary headwinds that led the company to raise prices by about 10% across a range of apparel items in the fiscal fourth quarter ending in November 28th. David says he's asymptomatic, but he's clearly running like 110 degree fever and totally yeah. unhinged. <laughs> My pulse is at 190 beats per minute here. We're just getting started. Just reading this like a, like a local newsman doing a tease. <laughs> uh, we're feeling After the break. We're feeling optimistic about the year ahead, despite the inflationary pressures, despite the supply chain challenges because of the strength and health of the Levi brand. Uh, not entirely slanted at all, says uh, Chief Executive Officer Chip Berg. Berg anticipates that supply chain disruptions will continue for the rest of the year. Uh, so basically here, like these chickens that we've been discussing for the last year of supply chain issues and inflation are coming home to roost in the nest of more expensive genes. And uh, interestingly enough, like, and we talked about this a few months ago, that we have been tracking the price of workwear staples, including 501 Shrink-to-Fits, uh, Levi's main offering. And so like, when we did this article, Daniel did it um, in April of 2021, they did not change the price of a Levi's 501 Shrink-to-Fit. was $59 in 2010, and it was uh, $59 in April of 2021. But you go to their site right now, guess how much a 501 shrink to fit costs? How much? More, I don't know. 69.50. Oh. Nice. nice. Surprisingly cool of Levi's. Surprisingly <laughs> yeah. cool, you know. I mean, uh-huh. I would have gone with 69.99, but uh, I guess we're just cooler than them. You can for 50 cents less, you can get a pair of our bootleg bootcut Wranglers at shop.heddles.com or even less than that, 10% off with the code BLOWOUT at checkout. Uh, Read, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, it, uh, minimum wage stagnation has outlasted Levi's price stagnation. Yeah, I guess minimum wage point. hasn't it, gone it, up since it, 2008. It won that war. It was like, it was a little battle they had going on and, and uh, Levi's Levi's lost, I guess. Or do they win? They lost. Yeah. I mean, it's like a staring contest. If you plug like $59 uh, in 2010 into the inflation calendar or calculator of what it should be in 2022, a pair of 501 should cost $76. So I guess we're like still getting a deal compared to our 2020 or 2010 selves. But um, do they ever put the shrink to fits on? Like, I genuinely don't shop for those anymore like i just like, wouldn't look but I, levi's sends me a 40 percent off email every four hours um so so it's like i always wonder it's like all right the top end price is whatever but it's like don't most of these like once you break like 400 doors or whatever the fuck it is like doesn't all your goods just like start going on sale incessantly like in that kind of the rule yeah, I suppose, but now they're like pegged at least ten dollars higher than what they would have been going on. What they started at? I mean, I just always assumed like that was always the adjustment people were making. Like Gap's slogan is "Take forty percent off at the register." Jay Cruz is extra fifty percent off with shop sale, and but it never applied to Aldens. No, I mean, but you would if you scoped it, you could find them. They would yeah. put them on for the last like three sizes. I did get a homespun uh, Henley there that was retailed for like one forty for thirty two dollars. Yeah, that would uh, happen. At J Crew. Mm. Well, s- similarly, you, I feel like Levi's Levi's has a lot of fine print when stuff goes on sale. So sometimes it's it's never LVC or almost never LVC, never made and crafted. And it might even be that like 
shrink to fits somehow are exempt from that too. Cause I don't feel like I see those on sale very often. I don't see LVC all that often, to be honest. Now that I'm now, now that you're making me think about a brand I haven't thought about in a second. They sort of killed it when Cone Mills uh White Oak closed. Yeah. They just like made a few of them and yeah, now like they're making half as many um five oh one model years as they used to. The sweatshirts from LVC were always incredible. Those Bay Meadows are really, really good sweatshirts. And you can find those at Levi's outlets like pretty frequently. They just don't know how to sell them. Like we could bear. I mean, they're tough to, they're not cheap like at retail, but if they're at the outlet, I assume they They're what, like $180, $200? Yeah, they're regular. It's like the, that Bay Meadows one is like the, then they've got like the, I think it's like 180 or something. Then like the 50s and the 60s hoodie and crew necks were like, I think like 140 and 160 respectively, somewhere in there. They were so good though. They're so fucking soft. Yeah. And the fit is good too. It has like that nice, like slightly tapered down to the, the, the hemline fit. And a little the shorter. are a little bit far apart. Yeah. That was uh, Paul O'Neill, who uh, we interviewed about, gosh, five years ago. That was his baby. The, the LVC designer. Uh, very proud of that. But uh, in terms of the 501, I feel like this isn't a big deal because it's just basically an inflation price correction. And as we've talked about for a while, like consumer goods in this country are way, way, way too cheap. And things like housing and healthcare are way, way, way too expensive. Um, so anything of like, Making consumer goods more expensive, like, will probably in turn make more people aff- like able to buy healthcare and housing, at least if it's produced here. But um, the question here now, though, is like, is a new pair of five hundred one shrink to fits worth the money at sixty nine fifty? I don't know. Like, what what would you buy if any denim under seventy dollars? Aside from bootleg bootcuts at uh, our Wrangler non official collab available at shop.heddles.com. I mean, you can get, um, depending on like kind of the, the decade, you can get close to, not dead stock totally, but you can get close to like brand spank and new vintage Levi's pretty easily. Um, but be lower than that, that's new. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Raw? I don't know. I say maybe like spring for Telus and stock or unbranded, but those are both at least twenty dollars more than seventy bucks. Reed, you're just gonna tell people to buy champion like basketball shorts. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, I was like thinking, I was like, I don't really know. Like, if you're just looking for cut, honestly, like at, at that point, like go try on like one of the seventy-two that Urban Outfitters has ripped from good shit. Like there's always like you can find a good pair of pants at Urban Outfitters usually on sale because the good shit's just like not being adopted until it's too late. But yeah, I'm trying to think like because yeah, I got a pair of Easy Cords from them that I do wear. They're good. I wear them to like walk my dog all the time. From Urban Outfitters, like the Urban Outfitters in-house brand. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's like literally just an Urban Outfitters like label. Like it's not even like a like one of their like we're trying to fake you out labels. Like it just says Urban Outfitters on the tag. But so yeah, like I think if I was just like going for a cut, but at this point, at this point currently, I can't think of one. When I was in the market, I used to pretty aggressively like. I mean, Rakuten's been cut off at the knees for us, I guess, which sucks because that was yeah. like. Always my go-to. That was the cheat code. Yeah, that was the cheat because you could find like that's how I got my Orso 105s for like I think right around like eighty bucks. Um, and now you can't find those on eBay for less than like one seventy. I guess people came around on that one. But yeah, Uniqlo. I know always like people are always really happy with their jeans. It seems like and you can get them hemmed on site, which is always nice. Mm, well, that transitioned into our next topic because I was going to say Uniqlo as well as they do like a raw salvage jean for 50 bucks, which like feels wrong. But like, I know a lot of people that aren't really into fashion that just buy that jean and go, this is the best pair of jeans I've ever had. And it probably is if you buy everything at the mall. I had a pair of those in college. I felt like they were decent. 
Yeah, it's the perfect like and gene of if you just like want to yeah. get a thing. Yeah, they're not going to last you like twenty years, and you don't need to like fucking ocean soak them or anything or mm-hmm. go crazy. But like they'll they'll do the job, I assume. Mm-hmm. They're pants. Yeah, they're pants. But uh, Albert Albert's uh, property. <laughs> yeah, Albert's IP. Yeah, please. Uh... <laughs> Please teach me how to use a, a Ethereum and help me get it down. Cash it in your pants. I wonder yeah. if there's any value in that at this point. Like, fuck, man, you should get out while you can. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to interact with it. Uh, you just got to get like give it to Gwyneth Paltrow or like make a uh, make one of like sweatpants and give that to Justin Bieber. And then that'll like pump the value of your pants. I don't even think you need to. I think you just need to put tired in front of it. Call it like tired pants. <laughs> tired pants. I just got it. <laughs> pants. I got an email today asking me to influence for some NFT thing. And they're like, we'll give you a free NFT. Uh, so <laughs> there's just so much I'd have to learn. I guess like, why not get a free NFT? You know, I mean, I'm sure someone could explain to you why not. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think there's probably like a really good reason. Anyone I can't, of us, but yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> no, I, I watched I, this I very long. YouTube, I watched a very long YouTube video where a guy just like, very very artfully made fun of nfts but i learned fucking nothing mm-hmm. i was trying to get i was like i don't know man it seems like a scam and he said it was but it was just like i didn't get it <laughs> so we're all just uh still <laughs> talking about stuff we don't quite understand yeah, that's the name yeah. of the game it's yeah, above our don't know any of it don't understand it have no desire to move in any uh, direction there albert you don't like when we talk about fast food which we do know a lot about <laughs> <laughs> It depends. It just depends on like you know my my blood sugar and the day I've had. <laughs> there are a lot of factors at play there. David and I are well versed in fast food literature, but maybe back to clothes, which we also know. Speaking of Uniqlo, though, uh, we got another topic there that uh, their jeans have just might have gotten a little bit more life in them. Uh, is they are opening their first repair studio in their Soho location in New York. Now, via sourcing journal here, we got Uniqlo's low-cost alteration service for bottoms has long been a unique perk of the fast retailing co chain. A new initiative, however, will offer basic on-site repair to customers' quote well-loved Uniqlo items. The brand recently launched Re.Uniqlo Repair Studio, a hub for replacing shirt buttons, mending seam rips, and patching holes, and its New York flagship in Soho. All repairs cost $5 and are done by Uniqlo's alteration staff. Additional repairs may be addressed based on customer needs. Increasingly, repair studios are becoming a part of the retail fold, and companies are investing in training programs to make sure there is enough manpower to keep up with demand. Coach recently launched a one-year apprenticeship program at its New Jersey workshop, and uh, there are additional programs at G-Star and Nudie Jeans for repairs in-store. So, I mean, like, Nudie's done this for a while, but seeing Uniqlo and a bunch of other companies jumping on the repair bandwagon is pretty cool. Even if it is a shameless, like, marketing thing, like, the fact that they're doing it is still a, a net positive than not doing it. And uh, yeah, Uniqlo, they also have these instructional videos on their website for how to re- do some of these repairs at home, um, like how to mend a hole or like do a running stitch or even something as basic as like threading a needle, because I guess some people need help with that. But um, I don't know, we've, we've lamented the death of the neighborhood tailor and repair shop, but sort of also the in-store retailer. Like many big box stores these days, I feel like function more as vending machines for the product they sell uh, rather than having any knowledge or skill of the product that they're uh, they're selling. Um, it was like when we were in Pakistan, I remember seeing H&M jeans that were completely bag tagged and like addressed to go immediately onto a shelf at a mall in Ohio. And that just feels very different to me maybe in my like romanticized view of the like shopkeeper that could make anything that they're selling or like knows how to take it apart and put it back together it would be nice if we could somehow f- figure out a way to like get back to that right like we all want in theory the small mom and pop on every corner like that's what we're looking for 
who can handle like you know like you can handle all your things on two city blocks whatever that formula used to be but like it does kind of feel like we're a little far past the point where that's possible and it's like if one of the giants can help extend the life of the goods they sell and not keep making us buy those things maybe it's okay you know like it's like just like bow down to our benevolent overlord instead of our evil one <laughs> you know like i i don't i don't quite know how to wrap my head around it but like five dollars to repair buttons or like repair something is like it's a pretty good deal especially if you don't like have the time or you don't want to do it or don't know how to do it or something like that and or for like people who like plenty of people i know like think like once a button pops or the other is a hole in like a pocket or something the garment's done so it's like you know if they're if they're extending the life of those things and sort of in any way can like encouraging sort of like non overconsumptive behaviors i think that's probably good like in a way i think it's like you were saying probably a ploy like who knows if it's just to get people in to buy more like heat tech or like whatever the fuck they've got on sale that week or m more socks at a dollar a piece or whatever whatever it happens to be but ultimately like i think if you're if you are extending the life of those things like and they can keep they can keep getting some income from those in a way it's like almost turning into like a hardware software model and maybe they can make less who the fuck knows? I mean, it's a smart way to get people back in store, right? Like, yeah, they come in at drop off a repair and then, yeah, why not pick up something while you're there? Um, I was, I went to my neighborhood to, or a new neighborhood tailor to get a suit done or tailored recently. And I just realized that like a lot of tailors don't know, like, uh, I mean, so it's like a suit that I needed to be have taken in a suit jacket. And instead of taking it in on the pre-existing darts, they just put a new dart up and down the back to make it slimmer. And like, it Oof. works, it works, but it is like me knowing how these clothes work. I'm like, uh, that was a little lazy. And also that this guy's going to burn his place down because he had incense burning on every surface in the whole shop. So Someone's you gotta got respect those vibes, you know. <laughs> yeah. How are you gonna repair clothes if the energy's off? That's true. That's true. But I don't want to lose our mom and pop too, uh, because they don't know their fire fire safety mm -hmm. stuff. Um, it, uh, you both worked in uh, retail of high end clothing. Like, were there any repair or alteration services that were offered in those places? Yeah, we used the same one that Albert did. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, like literally Union Made used the same for darning, like for any denim repair, we used the same as self edge for the most part. Like there was a couple different people in San Francisco that would do it. They, they had to have like union specials so they could do the chain stitch. Cause that was what we were like mostly offering with the alteration. Like that was why we gave a shit about it, but they took forever. Cause you'd bring them like 20 pairs of jeans from the week and they'd, we're the only game in town, at least in San Francisco. So they'd just be like, yeah, you know, come back in a couple weeks. But like, ultimately we figured out like a better timeline. We did offer alterations, um, on any pants, nothing like no tops or anything like that. But if something like, if you bought something and it, and it messed up, not because of you being dumb, but because of like, you know, like, like for whatever reason, this is like one like Chamala whose stuff is like bomb proof most of the time, like will last for fucking ever. Her buttons would pop off on a lot of the chambray shirts. I don't know if it's because she washed the fabric with the buttons on or like how that was working, but like we would like be pulling the shirts out of shipments and they'd be kind of like sometimes like on some shirts, they'd be like kind of flimsy. And in that situation, like we'd take it to the tailor and get them sewn back on. But like we knew that every shirt coming out could be coming right back. And it's like if you could avoid a return by offering a repair, like fuck yeah, you're going to do that repair. But like. And I think people would come to us when they would have like. Serious issues like we would we would send out your Aldens for you if you needed to get them resold. Like we like would handle that. Alden? Yeah, we would like get the form like you would fill out your form and then get your like get your check but like we would handle like the whole like shipping receiving part of that and then yeah like i can't think of like another repair like i don't like we would guide you to like like i had a leather shop that i loved in san francisco that could fix fucking anything and they were the meanest people ever and they just did not suffer a single question 
Like you'd be like, can you handle this impossible task? And they'd be like, yes, get out of the store <laughs> Friday. It's ready Friday. And you'd be like, tight, you're angry. Um, I trust you. But yeah, like we wouldn't, not on site, nothing. We couldn't do anything on site. Yeah. Self-edge, we, all these LA self-edge, they do everything in-house. Um, that story about the chambrays reminds me that one time we got a whole shipment of Stevenson jeans and for some reason there was like a faulty, the stitching was faulty in the crotch of them. And they were like, <laughs> they're like, Albert, could you just test this whole batch and make sure they, <laughs> they're all put good. Put on these like 30 pairs of pants, please, Albert. No, so what I did was this, I, I ripped 30 pairs of jeans in half. I would just take them out of the box and tear them in half, <laughs> tear them in half. Terrible app. So I was like, this would have been a great TikTok if it yeah. existed. <laughs> I was like, I was probably testing uh, more uh, aggressively than needed. Um, you should but, be able to pull apart a pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it was. We did a lot of repair stuff. There's just the the real beast there was that we wanted our the jeans to be washed before they came in, and of course. Uh, people would refuse to do that and just like give us the nastiest jeans and be like, no, I swear I washed them. And it's like, no, you fucking didn't. If you're listening and you ever did that to me while I worked at self edge, I'm still mad at you. Same goes for union made because that was also a problem. Yeah. I am also still mad at you. Uh, I think I've repressed it, but Albert digs it out every time. Yeah. And I'm still mad at you for them. <laughs> it was always the guys in rogue territory too. <laughs> I, <laughs> RGT call out. It's, it's a yes. good episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew if a guy was going to come in with rogue territory, I was, it was just going to be bad. So I don't know how that happens. You know, we didn't have like a specific, it wasn't like a, a specific, like to a <laughs> brand. It would just, it would happen. Yeah, probably Telesim mostly, but that was just a volume situation because we sold the most of them. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, hopefully we'll get a lot more uh, repair and alteration services coming back to big box stores and just coming back everywhere. But uh, until that time, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We live in a fast-paced world. Sometimes. You just need to slow down and stop. Heddles Plus, the new membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code EXTRABLOWOUT. All right, welcome back. And I don't know if, if us trying to talk about fasc- fascism got into the, uh, into the cut here. Uh, we're about to talk about some... Nazi illusions that have made it into Burberry's collection. Fascism, but make it fashion. Indeed. So I heard about this from Dave Hemmel, who was complaining about it on uh, Facebook. <laughs> but he noted that British high-end label Burberry is using an all-too-familiar camo pattern in its latest collection. Very similar to the Nazi Waffen SS Flecktarn pattern. They just saw it in a reference book. Probably, I don't know. It's like hard to give them the benefit of the doubt, but like with the resurgence of global fascism, I guess we're getting the resurgence of fascist fashions. And I I don't know if like the exact designer's intention was to put like Nazi camo into their collection, but like that's certainly what I'm taking away from it when like I first saw these uh, images from the collection. Um, before even, you know, I read anything of Dave, I was like, oh, I know what he's angry about. Um, cause I feel like we can all agree here that the, the Nazis ruined the swastika for everybody. That one's done. There's, there's like no discussion on that. There are people trying to make it happen again in like a non-fascist context. And, and but they, yes, they, they shouldn't, it's, it's over. You got to wait like another hundred years, maybe like this is a Capital tries every like four years. It's tough to reckon with. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, no, but I agree. I agree. I agree. But yeah, it's like, I think the question here is like, how much else can they taint and for how long? Like all the other things that they were associated with? Because like. The chaplain stash. Mm. Yeah. Poor guy. Nah. He did fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
He was also married to a 16 year old. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we, need to, we don't need to sympathize. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. This is for me, like, I don't know, like seeing this pattern being referenced here in like this mishmash of, of camo on it still feels too soon to me. Um, mm-hmm. It still feels weird. It's nothing that I would want to buy or sell or be associated with in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also a clothing like history weirdo, and I imagine mm-hmm. the vast majority of people like don't connect these patterns immediately to Nazism when they first see them. I don't know. Like, what was what was your first impression of seeing this collection? Well, my first impression was, oh shit, because I have a Flectarn parka from like the 70s. And mm. that was the weird thing. It's because Germany has, and that's why I didn't realize it had anything to do with the SS because, you know, like the German government of the 70s, 80s, and until fairly recently was so like anti-Nazi, anti-everything that they did worked so hard to expunge so much of like Nazi iconography from Germany. So I was a little shocked and I wonder like to what degree it was in circulation not to like justify it because I know that like a big reason that the American army didn't wear like camo uniforms in the European theater was that the camouflage that they were using was so similar to the Nazi uh, camouflage that people were, there was like friendly fire happening. Oh, really? Like that, that camo, like that kind of frog is called the frog camo that was used in the Pacific theater was Mm -hmm. also going to be used in the European theater, but it was very similar to like the German army's camouflage. So uh, that makes sense now that I'm thinking about like the Marine Corps camo from World War II. Yeah. Does have a similar uh appearance. But I didn't know that Flectarn had any Nazi association. So Yeah, it's the SS camo. Mm-hmm. Specifically the orange stuff, mm-hmm. which I don't know, like the maybe they could have gotten away with it a bit more if it was just the like uh the earth tones of like the the brown and green and like black but the orange was like eh, it's the that's very much the nazi one that's what they did I'm trying to think of like will the when will the time be that like flectarn will not have that association with it or like this specific shade of flectarn yeah like some like jew i'm a i'm a jewish person um Whoa! I had no, I had no idea that Flectarn had anything to do with Nazis, but I also don't think I could have identified Flectarn as a camo pattern. To be totally honest, um, like I know a couple of the big ones, the hitters, but uh, like Tiger Camo, the Rain one, the ca- Capital does that one's cool. Mm-hmm. Probably has a terrible, terrible connotation. That's also um, German. That's yeah. Yeah, probably figured it wasn't great. <laughs> I think I assume like most camouflage has some pretty terrible uh, yeah. connotations in general. Like historically, like I think you're going to be hard pressed to find camo with like nice flowery history. Um, so I think sort of like using it, you're already opening yourself up to like if people want to sort of think critically about what you're referencing, it's kind of like a hairy situation in some in some ways, right? Like it's not even like there's as much conflation with the fatigues worn in anti-war efforts, right? That like some some people play on that were like obviously like military issued, but were sort of turned on its head with patches and things like that post-war or um I feel like camo is like very much still just like a tactical garment that like we like to sort of use in in other ways. Like I remember when J crew was doing, it's like Oxford in camo. I was like, this is the weirdest shit I've ever seen when it was styled below like a Ludlow suit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. yeah, but I do also think there's like somewhat of a Streisand effect with this shit. Like in the sense that David, you're asking when it'll disappear. I think that like probably when people stop recognizing it, as such in if that makes sense and like people will probably throw a trial balloon out there if they think it's cool every five or ten years and see if they get swatted down mm-hmm. in a way like you know i mean it's like as long as someone like you is paying attention it's probably going to be a little tough you know Man, like, or whatever yeah no i mean i just like to get away with it or like 
be completely escaping the stigma. And I'm sure people will buy it and have absolutely no fucking clue. And it's not even like a subconscious nod to it, I guess, is like the only point I was making by referencing the fact that I'm Jewish. It's like, I don't particularly take offense to it in the sense that like, I, I can't imagine the people buying it are going to be like, oh, hell yeah, that's some some like Trojan horse Nazi regalia. Yeah. That's what I want. Nor if um, I saw someone wearing it, I would probably think that that was what their intention was. Yeah, I think that's like seeing it for me is like, eh, it's kind of an ick factory. Yeah, like I'm, I think I'm probably more curious about like what the design references were and like where they pulled that swatch from in some cases being like, what the fuck are you guys doing? But I think like ultimately the person wearing it, it's not nearly like when Capital did the swastika bandana and shit like that. It's just like, that's like, that is. You gotta know. You gotta know. Yeah, that's like, that's fucking tough. Like if you're buying that shit, I'm like, don't talk to me about like Tibetan peace signs, my guy. Like just like, Mm -hmm. you know, like just fucking don't, don't do that. But like, with this one, I think someone might be like, I want to spend entirely too much money on a camo winter coat mm-hmm. and like an objectively bad, like, I don't know how you could defend these coats as like cool coats to be totally honest. Oh, like, they're they're not, also like $2,000. Yeah. They're fucking gaudy. And like the camo is kind of weird. Like one looks sort of like a Rorschach test, like, but like, I guess like Rorschach, if it was, you know, Nazi camo, but yeah, I think that's sort of my thing is it's just like, I'm, I'm more curious about the design and the reference and stuff like that than I am in that capacity. Cause I don't think anyone, I think people that would be, yeah, like, I don't know. I can't imagine someone being like, man, I wasn't up for buying into Burberry, but now that I know that they might've referenced this, it's my shit. Mm. Yeah, Richard Spencer is going out and getting all Burberry. I mean, well, he might like honestly. Yeah, who the yeah. fuck knows? Like that's like he he would probably be the guy that gets psyched on this, and then that's the point when they're fucked, which is like why you want to avoid this, right? Is like the mm-hmm. second someone's like, "Yo, check out my Nazi camo. How dope is this? Burberry made it." Like yeah. that's the point where you're fucked, and if yeah. single person does that of prominence, like that is the reason you don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty shocked to learn this because, like I said, I have this flectar and stuff, and. This guy gifted me a bunch of cool camo. I shared the like, and I kind of looked over it. It's like, I know I'm not going to work. The Belgian brushstroke stuff is really cool, but it's so associated with the Belgian military presence in the Congo. I'm like, that I don't feel comfortable wearing. The Swiss pants, I'm like, I can wear Swiss camo. Who gives a shit? You know, I can wear Czech camouflage. Who gives a shit? But yeah, it's like, and then also I was rationalizing because like I am also Jewish, but I also just became a German citizen. So I'm like, I can wear German camo. I'm a fucking <laughs> German now, baby. But I'm like, oh boy, it's Nazi shit. <laughs> yeah, that might not be the part of Germany you want to internalize, like the military history. I feel yeah. like you can you can leave that one on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Honestly, though, this park is sick and maybe I'll wear it just, you know, when uh, no one can see. So they can not see you. <laughs> I'm not laughing. That's what? <laughs> yeah. I'd rather think of anything else with negative associations with it, like with hate groups that has come back from being associated with those hate groups. I mean, Fred um, Perry's still pretty fucked, right? Yeah, yeah. They're still totally fucked. Well, like um, Hawaiian shirts they tried to take away from us. Yeah, but they never, they never took those. That was, yeah, that was a... They tried. It was a, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> New Balance, boogal- we talked about. Boogaloo bullshit. Yeah, it's big win. Luau, win. What the fuck are you talking about? Get yeah, out of here. Fucking get out of here. Um, but things like Doc Martens, I guess those, but it was never anything like as well organized as like, this is worn by a, like, a military of a country as their uniform. Well, isn't it like the red laces in the docks? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, the American History X shit you don't see. Mm-hmm. But you do see, like, Doc's had a huge comeback. But again, like, I don't know if that was, like, a full stigma. I would have been too young for that because kids wore Docs to, like, private school and shit when I was a kid. Well, also, but, like, like the skinhead, like, skinhead was, like, an aesthetic that was, like, weird, like, sometimes separate from, like, a political movement, you know? And, like, I don't, I don't feel like American white nationalists have ever like it's not like they've you know what i mean like they haven't had a movement adjacent to them that they could move back and forth between so what do you mean a movement or like a fashion movement that they could be like oh this was totally removed from us Mm. um so i think everything they do is pretty much under the guise of like bigotry and you can't be like 
oh well we 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 did this before and like people that aren't white nationalists also are into yeah, x they're thing. not all dressing up like uh colonel sanders like southern planters wow no, they're, dress, they're dressing up like a big five coupon section <laughs> <laughs> like, i don't mean to bring big five into this apologies <laughs> to big five uh, they're, they're wearing their tactical wedding rings like you know some like under armor shirt that's sized wrong got the logo up near like the clavicle mm-hmm. although like re- like i feel like real tree camo could be like thought of as that could go either way yeah yes i, I mean because it's been given kind of like the uh, like the the ironic treatment like with crocs and shit like that but uh, you know it's yeah, i mean know. kanye sent out the invitations on the like real tree thermals like the rothko thermals that one year mm. But I don't know if it was ever real tree was ever associated with a specific ideology. No, no. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, like, yeah, it would have been like a Duck Dynasty ideology, but they didn't last long <laughs> enough, right? Yeah. And isn't Duck Dynasty like all an act that those guys are all like college educated and putting on a voice? I genuinely haven't invested everything I've learned about them. I have learned unwillingly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't think of. I mean, I guess, yeah, like shit goes in and out. Like, I mean, you can look at like the German triumvirate, I guess, for the past, right? We were talking about Adidas and Volkswagen and, you know, all that shit last time. But like, I honestly think you can probably just like keep crunching that timeline down like exponentially the further out we get. Because like, again, not to just like rag on capitalism for the 5,000th time on this fucking podcast, but it's just like, I think that like the farther, like the more we understand that like, or the more we sort of disassociate like between what we're buying and what it's doing. I think it's probably just like easier to like, I feel like there was a while where Mario Batali was like the fucking face of cro- like people who wore Crocs. Right. And it's like now Crocs are popping and for good reason, Crocs is doing some cool shit and Mario Batali had nothing to do with Crocs. He was just the most famous person who wore them and happened to be a monster. And but like, you know, like whether it was like New Balance that managed to bounce back two years later because they got together with ALD or, you know, I mean, Under Armour has been trying their ass off with Steph. It's just like, I feel like their customer base is their customer base in that regard. And it's like, it is who it is at this point. But I mean, they broke through with kids and who knows? Like, I just feel like it's hard to be like the the idea of ethical consumption is like we were saying some somewhat of a myth and it's like if you decide that it is that then you just want to buy shit that you like right mm-hmm. you're going to buy a Nazi camo print jacket probably because you don't know about it but it's almost like i think fewer people are going to be interrogating things the farther out we get to it's like do i like it man i am so bummed about this pattern being a nazi thing i really thought i was in the clear Sorry. <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah. Hey, you can still wear it. I, I'll just I, look at you weird. I know. It's like, <laughs> I'm saying I want to wear it, but it. that I'm just feeling like, I don't know. Yeah. It's such a good, like, part, like, lightweight, like, rain It's not the jacket. orange one, is it? No, it's not the orange one. Um. I mean, it's got a regular German flag on it, not a fucking Nazi one, but still. Yeah, that one's a bit of a red flag, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, this is the Streisand effect I was talking about, though. Like, probably, like, no one in your life, including yourself, would have been able to associate that, Albert, with it. And now it's sort of, like, inextricably linked in your head. Reed, for those of us who don't know what the fuck you're talking about, what the fuck are you talking about? Streisand effect? Yeah. Uh, I want to say, like, 2003, Barbara Streisand bought this big old fucking house on, I think it was like Malibu beachfront, right? Mm-hmm. Malibu. And and uh, a photographer took a photo of the house and was like trying to sell it as like, this is Barbara Streisand's new house. No one knew that this photo was being shopped really, except the people that the photographer was shopping it to and Barbara Streisand apparently. So she sued the photographer to prevent it getting from getting out. And then because it became like a piece of, like it, it became part of the lawsuit everyone oh. got to see the house and everyone now knew where barbara streisand lived oh, because she decided that she like wanted like no one would have fucking known who knows if anyone would have bought the photo but right. because she made like sort of like a stink about it everyone knew or because people it would have yeah it would have flown under the radar i guess so it's just like 
my favorite one in recent memory is like there was a movie called Escape from Tomorrow, I think, that Disneyland that was shot like gorilla style at Disneyland. Oh right. That yeah. was this like huge like mm-hmm. had this like yeah, huge Escape hype at Tomorrowland. Yeah, it had this huge hype around at uh Sundance and stuff, and then Disney was like they won they threw a cease and desist around it. It like went nuts. The trailer got tons of views, and then Disney was just like, nah, fuck it, we're not gonna like you guys can release it and no one went and saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, like didn't be, they, they reverse dry sand it, but like, yeah, I guess, you know, I don't know exactly if it's like, it's a one-to-one in this situation, but I think like there are certain situations where it's like the more, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that f- for people going forward, if they really like consuming clothes and are realizing where a lot of this stuff is coming, it's like maybe the less, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get you through it. But yeah, I don't know. You know, it's like, I, I think for you, Albert, it's probably gonna be hard to wear, to wear it conscious, like, you know, like knowing full well, or you'll just be able to work past it and never think about it again. But that's some compartmentalizing, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I try to compartmentalize, but this one might be tough. Uh, well, stay ignorant out there, folks, as <laughs> uh, much as you can. And a good way to stay ignorant is uh, by joining Heddles Plus. <laughs> Which uh, you can get a free month of that with the code extra blowout by going to just heddles.plus in your browser. You get more of this. You get uh, discounts at the Heddles shop and at a bunch of other stores like all over the web. You get giveaways. Uh, Albert, what are we giving away right now? We're giving away a uh, made in USA rugby shirt that we've been offering. We call it the practice rugby. It is made from. Um, uh, scraps of different uh, rugby materials, so it's got like a cool color blocked thing going, and um, they're each one of a kind. So you don't know what colorway you'll get. It's kind of an exciting little gamble, and one lucky Heddles Plus winner. All Heddles Plus winners are um, eligible. One lucky winner or one lucky person will win the the rugby. Right. So. Don't you dare wear it in a game. It is a practice rugby. Practice. Talking about yeah. practice explicitly made to practice in practice so you can uh, be eligible for that if you go and sign up right now with a free trial don't have to pay a dime um but also we have some neat stuff in the huddle shop we just got a restock of solivare gibsons i believe albert that's right yeah and we've put in some orders at new exciting retailers across the globe Mm Hmm. we'll look forward to those very soon and uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or you want to send us your own pics of Nazi camo, uh, where can people do that, Reed? Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> questions and concerns are fucking fine. Uh, blowout at heddles.com. Yeah, we, we will block you if you send us Nazi shit, please. Um, all right. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you all next week. Bye-bye.